This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, John, let's shift gears over to the Texans then. First preseason game this Saturday, New Orleans Saints coming in town. No Jameis Winston for the New Orleans Saints. He's got that foot injury. I don't know that we would have seen him anyways, except for maybe a series or two. Um, But he definitely won't play in this game. I've not heard anything from the Texan side of things as to who will and won't play. Although Lovey did mention by name, I don't really need to see Laramie Tunsil and what he can do. And I don't need to see Brandon cooks and what he can do. Those are the only two that he mentioned by name. And those are probably the only two he should mention by name when it comes to not taking reps in a game like this. So John, let's, let's, um, let's you and I play a little game here, a little thing that we'll do before each of these games, the utopia pregame six pack here, you and I can go back and forth. We'll each do three. Uh, just things that we're going to be looking for, things to watch out for in this game coming up on Saturday. And I'll let you do the honors. What's your first thing that you're going to be looking out for on Saturday? Most people would say Davis Mills, that if he plays a couple of series, but I'm saying Damian Pierce because Damian Pierce is the single most important rookie on this team, not Derek Stingley Jr., not Jalen Petrie, because if he gives them a running game that they have lacked since 2019, he can keep Petrie and Stingley on the bench, fresh, able to come off and be better instead of the defense go like last season, sit down, take a drink. Oops, we're back on the field because we can't run the ball. Now, Marlon Mack, I don't care about him, don't care about Rex Burkhead, but I've watched Pierce carefully, and he hasn't been able to run over people. He hasn't been able to take direct hits. Well, now he can. I want to see what Damian Pierce brings to the table. All right, that's a good one. Rookie running back Damian Pierce. John, I will see your rookie, and I guess kind of raise you another rookie here in my first bullet point here in the uh, the pregame six-pack, which is the, the two rookies in the secondary. Now, I don't know that we're going to see Derek Stingley Jr. in this game. I don't know if that's been made clear as to what their, their plan is for him. I would be a little surprised if we saw him just based on the how how outwardly they're targeting week one for him to be out on the field. He's gotten plenty of work in practice. Um, but Jalen Petrie, we know, is, is, is going to get on the field. I love, John, the fact that they put out a depth chart where they actually had both of those guys listed as first string. There's none of this depth chart mind games that previous regimes have played. What you and I watched out there at practice is, is 
evident in the depth chart that they put out. So I'm really anxious. If Stingley plays great, but I'll just keep it to Petrie if I have to, uh, that Petrie might be one of the quickest studies that we've heard about as a rookie on this team ever. And they ask a lot of those safeties in that defense, um, and especially Jalen Petrie. I was really encouraged that um, it looks like Lovey's going to use him a lot like how he was used at Baylor. They seem to be moving him around quite a bit. He's making some plays in the backfield. We'll see when everybody's got their pads on. There's actual tackling going on. But I'm I'm – I'm with you on that sort of rookie front. You mentioned Damian Pierce. I mentioned Jalen Petrie with Derek Stingley sort of sitting in a sidecar right now, not sure how he's going to be used. And I know you're excited about Petrie too. I am, and I don't think Stingley's going to play based on the way they've used him. He's only been going full speed for about a week. Mm -hmm. Considering the surgery, that'd be really stupid to play him in the first game. And uh, it's not that he needs to keep up with stuff mentally because they say, Derek, See that receiver, cover that receiver. Mm -hmm. And in Petrie's case, and this is something we've talked about on 16 during the week, how many great players stay in college five years? Few. Very few. Very, very few. And he did. So he is much more developmentally, and he played in a system in which it was a hybrid linebacker and safety where he played a lot around the line of scrimmage. Plus he's played deep. I believe it was like the third OTA. They moved him up to first team and they knew it because he's so smart. He's so instinctive. I said, when they drafted him, I thought by next season, he'd be a captain because I know so much about him and I'm really excited to see him play and how they use him. Sometimes in practice, he lines up deep. Sometimes he lines up close because he can handle everything they give him mentally because of all that experience. And the fact that he went from down, up, down, and up at Baylor. Yeah. He, he knows what it's like to lose. He knows what it takes to win. And I think he is a great addition to the secondary. Yeah, John, you know, it's funny. Like, the draft is crazy. Because remember when that 37th overall pick was coming up? I think most Texan fans watching at that moment were watching Brees Hall from Iowa State, the running back, sitting there. You know, he didn't get picked at 33. didn't get picked at 34. And then the, it, I, the Jets, I think, jumped in front of the Texans and took him right in front of the Texans. Do you think if Brees Hall was there at 37, that's who the Texans were going to be taking? He's the guy I wanted them to take because I had seen him play a lot in the Big 12, especially yeah. against Baylor. And who knows what Nick Casario would have done. When he was in New England, they didn't like to take backs high. Mm-hmm. That's why Damian Pierce is a fourth-round pick. Pick seems to be about where Casario and Bill Belichick used to yeah. draft running backs. The highest they went usually was third round. So I don't think he would have used a two on all as much as I wanted to see him. But I tell you what, Pierce can make a lot of people excited about him, himself, and the offensive rookie of the year because I think he'll have a thousand yards or more. All right. So you have Damian Pierce is your first thing to watch for. I went with Jalen Petrie. John, it's your turn. We kick it back over to you. The pregame six pack. What's your second thing to watch out for? Well, let's go back to the depth in the offensive line in the the depth chart and the starters. I noticed Justin McCray was listed as a starter. 
And I'm like, whoa. Now, we know Kenyon Green's not going to play. He's hurt. We don't know how bad. Seemed like he was out of shape. And they drafted him for him to be the starter. I think now he's so far behind. Unless he were to come back next week, he's not going to be starting the opening game. So, Max Sharping, who started there last year, has been running first team. And all of a sudden, on the depth chart, they put McRae up there. And I'm like, well, he's not the starter, and then at practice the next day, he's there. He was also working with the third team. So I'm guessing against the Saints, we're going to see Justin McCray, which means if they started Tunsil and he's not going to play, they would have the same starters as last season. Mm. And that's not good unless the new line coach, George Warhop, is a miracle worker. So I want to see who they have in the offensive line. Charlie Hag's going to be the swing tackle. If Sharping's on the team and McRae's going to be on the team because he can play center behind Kenyon Green, they're not going to have a lot of decisions to make. And I wonder if Max Sharping is in danger of making his team the fact that he can't hold down the first string job with Kenyon Green out. So I want to see the line, especially – now, I don't care about the pass protection. I want to know about the run blocking because they haven't improved in the interior. They're going to be spinning their wheels over the running game again. John, if if Max Sharping doesn't make this team, this team will basically have one player left from draft classes going like from from every draft class pre twenty twenty. They'll have one guy left on the team, and it's Titus Howard, who's you know going into his fifth year next year. And even with as they don't have many numbers anyways with the 2020 draft class, they're down to Charlie Heck and John Grenard and Ross Blacklock. So, uh, you know, Max, look, you know, Max Sharping has not turned out to be at the level that we thought he might be when he was starting as a rookie back in 2019. It has not worked out for Max Sharping that way, but it's just, it just goes, John, it really just illustrates the degree to which. Nick Casario has had to rebuild this thing. Like there, there weren't, there weren't any pieces here barely when he got here, you know, like he's, he's not stepping into a roster that was failing because it was young and it had a bad quarterback or whatever. He stepped into a situation where the franchise quarterback wanted out and there was almost no young pieces here. It's just, it's, it's just wild to look at. And then not having two ones and a two yeah, uh, in back-to-back years. It's kind of like what's happened to the Astros being penalized. Their ones and their twos. Yep. Just a good indication of how Casario knew it was going to be in his first time as a GM, he insisted on a six-year contract. That's unusual. Not, not, um, it's not, it's rare. Yeah. It's, and uh, no, they gave six-year deals. And so, but he knew it was going to be a master. And everybody bought in. They wanted these everybody fans and media as they understood against that didn't have any illusions of grandeur with this operation. And I think that's great for the future because right now, last year's class looks good. This year's class has a chance to look real good if they could get guys like Kenyon Green and Christian Harris healthy. All right. So that's your your second one. There is the uh, interior of the offensive line, specifically uh, Justin McCray. Um, I'll go with my second one here in the Utopia pregame six-pack. I'll go on the other side. And we just got done talking about previous draft classes and whatnot. I'm I'm going to be watching Ross Blacklock, John. <laughs> you know, he's another one that Nick Casario doesn't have any emotional tie to. I don't know that Nick Casario has an emotional tie to anything football-wise. I don't know if I've ever seen a person able to kind of be able to divorce themselves of emotion when it comes to 
picks and the ability to stay even keel and just up, you know, there's no ups and downs. It seems like at least outwardly with Nick Casario, but even more so there's no, there's no emotional investment. And that was my guy similar to Max Sharping. He didn't draft Max Sharping. He didn't draft Ross Blacklock either. I think Ross Blacklock from the standpoint of he's underperformed his first couple of years. He is the one remaining piece from the DeAndre Hopkins trade. That's an easy thing for fans to kind of grab onto when it comes to the emotion of that particular player. He's another one who's from here locally who I think people, you know, there's a lot of people that are rooting for him here. Um, He's been running with the twos at camp. He's not a first stringer right now, even though he was the 40th overall pick just a couple of years ago. I I think with the numbers on the defensive line, I, you know, I don't know how much danger he is in not making the team, but, um, but he certainly needs to have a, a good camp to solidify his spot in the rotation. So he's, he's one that I'll be watching who I think my guess is gets significant playing time on, uh, on Saturday night. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lonnie Johnson, second round pick gone. Max Sharping, second round pick could be gone. Ross Blacklock, second round pick could be gone. Everybody likes Blacklock, and they're hoping that he will pull through, but he doesn't play. um, He's not going to play ahead of Malik Collins. Mm -hmm. And Roy Lopez plays on the nose in a four-man front, and that's not what he does. So, at best, he's going to be a guy come off the bench. Well, they they sign guys to come off the bench. Jerry Hughes is the new right end. So, it's boy, there's a lot of depth. You know, maybe he'd go on a practice squad. Maybe he'd want to try to go somewhere else and find a system that was more conducive to what he does. But right now, Blacklock's been a big disappointment. And when you think of how he got here through the Hopkins trade, it makes it even worse. Yep. All right. All right. I'm going to jump back over. Have we done? This is our third one. This is your third one, John. Fire away. I'm going to jump back to the other side of the ball, Sean. Mm -hmm. All those wide receivers we've seen making great catches in camp, starting with Nico Collins and receivers like uh, Jalen Camp. Chris Moore and, and uh, Philip Dorsett have looked good in the slot. They got a guy named Connor Weddington. He's He's got to go on the practice squad, but he's been impressive. Jalen Camp started well. We don't need to see Brandon Cooks, but we do need to see the other guys. My personal favorite for reasons that have nothing to do with football, Chris Conley, he's got to be on the team because he's such a great interview who breaks down a game better than any player I have ever seen when he walks in the media room. I wish he started. I wish he caught 80 balls like Brandon Cooks so we could get him in every week because he is just so insightful. Yeah, about a play, about an offense, about a game, not negative, not controversial. He would make a great TV or radio analyst. And I tell you what, uh, Andre Ware better beware. <laughs> Chris Conley's coming for it. Well, hey, Jonathan Joseph is going to be doing some work on the Texans broadcast this preseason. He's going to be jumping in in the third quarter of some of these games, too. He's been a fixture out of camp. Of course, the former uh, Pro Bowl cornerback for the Texans, best free agency signing in the history of the team. Back to Conley, John. That's an interesting one. First of all, Conley's had a good camp. 
I mean, you know, for all the talk of what a great interview he is, and I agree with you on that, he's played really well in the seven on seven and 11 on 11 drills. He's made a lot of plays. So, I, I mean, I think he's going to be on the team. It's crazy to think like Conley is a guy like you look at him, you just look at him, forget about what, you know, pretend you never heard him utter a word in his life. And you look at him, you go, that guy should be catching 80 ball. That like that guy should be 80 catches, 1200 yards and nine touchdowns. Like, like that's, he just, he looks the part. And it's crazy that a guy who looks like he has that much physical ability, who's such a smart dude, hasn't been able to get it all put together. You know what I mean? Like, it's just he, he makes plays here and there, but he just looks like somebody who should be making a whole lot more plays. But he's making plays in camp so far. But uh, do you agree with that assessment? Oh, yeah. And he, but it could be the quarterbacks he's played with. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he was in Kansas City and he had Alex Smith for Jacksonville. I hear Davis Mills was struggling. Uh, Tyrod Taylor was injured and then struggles. Maybe he will be better this season. I left a guy out, Sean, yeah. uh, Chad Beebe, a four-year veteran. Yeah. He has looked really good. And He's sometimes good. guys like Beebe and Conley, who've been in the league a while, they should be good at training camp because they know what the coaches want as compared to some of these young guys who are still trying to figure it out. Yep. All right, John, my last one. I'm going totally selfish here, but I feel like if it's a preseason game, uh, that Kern Heinish, you, you got it, buddy. You got it. Like, if John, if it's a, and I'm and I'm hiding behind the veil of hey, it's a preseason game, so I need to give you an undrafted guy to look out for, but and it's partially that, but I'm also uh, a homer when it comes to Notre Dame guys, as you know. And I'm not dude, this isn't just gratuitous though, this isn't just me picking some Notre Dame undrafted guy who's been struggling to get on with the four stringers in camp. John, he might make this team. He's running with the twos right now. He's shown up really well. He's, you know, Lovey Smith has made some nice comments about him. Um, he's played on some of the special teams as well, like some of the first special teams units. Um, I know you and I just got done saying that that was a position that there's a lot of numbers on the defensive line. I don't want to say it's a deep position because that would imply that it's the numbers are all a bunch of really good players. There's some older guys on there that are going to rush the passer. There's some underachievers on there like Ross Blacklock. You know, Malik Collins did some good things last year. He's one of the better players on that defensive line. Um, but Heinish, Heinish has a body type and can kind of fill a role that is that if you look at these defensive linemen, there aren't many guys that look like him. You know, his size and and he gets pretty good push for a guy his size. I think he's underrated athletically, even though he looks like he's just got done brawling with three guys at a bar, got his big beer belly and whatnot. But yes. Number 69, Kurt Heinisch, John. I want. I feel like I need to give the people somebody that they can watch in the second half of this game and get emotionally invested in. That's my guy right there. Do you know the words, John? Do you know the words to the Notre Dame fans? give a cheer for old Notre Dame. Close enough. I'll take it. What is it? Cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame. Cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame. Wake up the echoes cheering her name. Send a volley cheer on high, shake down the thunder from the sky. What though the odds be great or small, old Notre Dame will win overall while her loyal sons go marching onward to victory. However, however, John, it's 2022. So, of course, Notre Dame has now changed the lyrics to say, while her loyal sons and daughters march onward Jeez. to victory. I'll tell you a great story. Uh, Peyton Manning's older brother, Cooper. Mm -hmm. wanted Peyton to visit Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Peyton wasn't going to Notre Dame, but for Cooper, he did. And so they, in the middle of the night, left wherever they were staying, and they got a football, and they climbed a fence, and they went up and down the field providing 
crowd noise and commentary till Peyton threw Cooper a touchdown in front of touchdown Jesus and security caught him. And when they found out who they were, what they were doing, they let him go. I would imagine they let him go. So that's how that happened. Cause that John, that was in like 1993 or 94. It was, I think it was 94. Cause Peyton came, Peyton got drafted in 98. So yeah, it's probably like a 93, 94 ish somewhere in there. And I remember hearing that he visited Notre Dame. So that was just a big tease because, boy, I was sure excited for the next week after that <laughs> when I heard Peyton Manning was visiting Notre Dame. When I did a big story on Peyton and his family in, in training camp of 98, Archie told me that story. And I think he said Cooper called him and told him they were in jail. And Archie got all upset. And then he told him he was kidding. They treated him great. But can you imagine if anybody had a video of the Mannings at oh. their bar and, and providing on crowd noise at Notre Dame and then oh. touchdown Cooper Manning. Oh, that is tremendous. That is tremendous. Well, we know how that story ended and Notre Dame was zero part of it. Unfortunately, <laughs> they could, Hey, they could have used it. He might've extended Lou Holtz's career another five years, John. If he, and by the way, you know, who verbally committed to Notre Dame the year after that, who ended up Ooh. not going to school there, Randy Moss, Randy Moss, mm was a Notre Dame commitment, but then he got into trouble at his school. He got into a fight or something. And, um, and so he, you know, he, they, he had his scholarship offer withdrew, withdrawn, but Lou Holtz really liked him personally. So he said, well, why don't you, Hey, listen, son, you can't come to Notre Dame anymore because you're getting into all these fights and you're smoking weed and you're doing all these things. But I got someone who might take you. his name is Bobby Bowden. <laughs> Why don't you go to Florida State? They do plenty of that stuff there. And true story, Holt said, you should take this. Not like he was an unknown. He was the number one player in the country. But Randy Moss then committed to Florida State, got into more trouble, and that's how he wound up at Marshall. And the rest is history. But can you imagine Peyton Manning and Randy Moss on the same college team? Underneath the the watchful eye of one touchdown Jesus and the lady on the dome. We would have the lady on the dome watching a touchdown. Jesus, you would be fine, Randy. You would stop smoking the hoochie coo. You do a great imitation of him. <laughs> I have plenty of practice. 